Steve Jobs once famously said, people don't know what they want until you show it to them. Welcome to episode eight of AINU with Dr. David F. George, the creator of the Choice Master Recommender System. And in this episode, we're going to be talking about recommender systems and the current crop of recommender systems that are out there. David, how are you, first of all? Not too bad, thank you very much. Good, very nice to have you here again for another episode of, of AI and You. Any innovations that we need to know about since we last spoke to you quickly? Uh, you know, there's just so much going on, new releases of large language models with all sorts of capabilities, new really new updates to OpenAI's ChatGPT. And of course, recently we had the drama of OpenAI's CEO, Sam Altman, being fired and then reinstated. So, yes, as usual, a lot going on at the moment. There's <laughs> plenty happening at the moment, right. Okay. And of course, sorry, the EU has now published its uh, legislation to uh, try to enforce responsible AI on the AI tech companies. So that will be the start of uh, a lot more discussion and movement in the market space. So, and we've talked about that on, on previous podcasts. If you want to go and have a listen to the ones that are already there, then 1386 audio forward slash uh, have a listen, or you can go to your uh, personal preference podcast platform and just look for AI and you with Dr. David F. George, and you will see all the episodes on there. And we've done episodes about chat GTP and uh, responsible AI and lots of other stuff as well. This week, though, we're doing recommender systems. So my first question to you is, what's the difference between an internet search and a recommender system? Good question, because there are a lot of people that think that when they type in a search query into Google, for example, that uh, when they get the results coming back to them, because those uh, results are ranked according to Google's um, uh, ranking algorithms, that Google is actually putting the best first for them, which isn't necessarily the case. Uh, the reason why uh, recommenders are, are important is that they are a, a very good example of a use case for artificial intelligence. Um, and in fact, recommenders have been around for a while. More use of AI has started to um, be included in recommender, in recommender systems. Fundamentally, the difference between internet search and uh, recommender systems is that um, the primary purpose of internet search, like Google, Bing, or Safari, is to help users find specific information or answers to their queries. And the user typically inputs a, a query, which is um, a question or a set of keywords, and the search engine returns a list of web pages that match the query. With respect to uh, recommender systems, then, Recommender systems are designed to suggest specific products, services, or content um, or other items of interest to users based on their past behaviors, purchase transactions, or classification profiles. Uh, recommender systems aim to personalize the recommendation, uh, help users discover new and uh, relevant items. So rather than just getting a list back, satisfying the search query, which the user then has to navigate further by clicking on the links that come back to them. The recommender system actually is designed to propose something that satisfies their requirements. 
I know that when I'm looking for something and, and I put that into the internet or, or into Amazon <laughs> quite often, but into the internet, I will then go and look at reviews and, and see what's um, recommended. Basically, I create my own recommender system by going and look at as many reviews as possible. And I always start with the worst reviews and then build up to the good reviews, to the five-star reviews. Recommender systems sort of do that for you, don't they? One of the inputs into the into the way in which the typical recommender system works will be reviews. I think what's we'll get onto this a little bit later in a bit more detail, but one of the limitations, if you like, um, of current recommender systems is they only consider, generally speaking, one item. And that is usually an overall rating or a count of the number of likes that have been that have been uh, given to a particular product. If, for example, you use Netflix to stream movies, then the way in which the, the built-in recommender for Netflix works is essentially on how many people gave it a positive rating, a particular movie. Uh, and then it will match that to your specific requirements. We'll discuss that in a little bit more detail later. So reviews are typically something that is used a lot in current recommender systems, yes. And am I right in thinking that these things like Netflix and Spotify are constantly working in the background, analysing your search criteria and what you've been watching uh, in order to recommend various programs or music for you. Yeah, every time every time you go on to Netflix, for example, or Spotify for music, they are recording uh, your behaviour, um, what you're browsing through, what you're looking at, inverted commas, what you're thinking about maybe watching or or listening to, to build up your profile of what you, of what they believe you will like or what you won't like. So things like that are working constantly in the background and they're using their algorithm to decide or to recommend things for you. With recommender systems where you're putting the information in yourself, what's the difference there? This is not a thing that's working in the background so much, is it? I mean, for example, with Choice Master, which we'll also do another podcast, I think, about Choice Master particularly because it uses very, very different methods and techniques. Those are what are called session-based uh, recommenders, which don't necessarily look at a lot of your behavioral and past transaction history. They're only interested in the moment. What's important to you now? What are your present circumstances that are important that need to be satisfied by the recommender? So with Choice Master, you are sort of in control of it because there's not a an algorithmic system working in the background, although it is, but it isn't because it's not looking at what you've been doing over the last two years. It's only looking at the at the questions or the answers to the questions that it's given you. Exactly. It's only interested in the moment. So basically, the ones that are working in the background, it's about selling you more product or getting you to watch particular things that they want you to watch or stay with their channel or stay on their music channel. Yeah, a number of a number of recommenders, the primary purpose of them is not necessarily to give you a better experience in finding what, what you want or what you need. It is about sort of cross-selling or upselling. And, you know, a lot of the big online retailers use recommenders for that only for that particular purpose. And if you get a satisfactory shopping experience, then I hesitate to say it, but it could be possible that it was more by luck than any judgment. Uh, that's going on in, in the background. However, the recommenders of Netflix and Spotify, for example, are using past transaction history 
what have you bought in the past? And how was your browsing experience? How long did you did you have a cursor positioned over this particular film or TV show compared to how long did you did you have the cursor positioned over this one? And then they understand, you know, what the genre of that particular item was. And so they can actually start to build up a profile based on your browsing behavior and more importantly, your previous transaction history and how you rated that particular item, that particular movie or TV show. Did you like it or did you dislike it? What score did you give out of five? How many stars did you rate it with, etc.? And all of that is used to build up a profile of you and so that they can classify you as this particular type of film view, movie viewer or this particular type of TV show viewer. And then when they want to recommend additional material to you, they look at hundreds and hundreds, if not tens of thousands of other users, and they try to match other users' profiles to yours and then find out, well, what movies did these other people watch that you haven't seen yet? And therefore, they make an assumption that because you both liked all of these, but you haven't seen this one yet, you are more than likely to also like this particular one. And that forms the whole basis of the recommendation. So they are genuinely attempting to be very helpful. And it can work. I mean, Jeff Bezos of, of Amazon, who's obviously very well known, and occasionally he's the world's richest, uh, richest person. But Jeff Bezos says, you know, the way in which Amazon actually make money is by being helpful to you and helping you buy from them. So recommenders are designed to engage you in an interaction with the with the particular website and provide you with a with an additional service that will make it easy for you to actually make a choice decision. With Amazon, I'm going to specifically talk about that because I totally get that and I think it, it, it it's good but also I find it also a little bit naive at times and whether this is just me but if you go to Amazon and you buy a wheelbarrow it then sends you emails for the next three weeks telling you do you want to buy a new wheelbarrow that to me seems a little bit naive are they just trying to get you back onto the site doing that because they think you're some sort of wheelbarrow fan or are they genuinely trying to sell you another wheelbarrow? It seems to me if you've already got one and they're, and your profile within their system would say he bought this wheelbarrow and it was delivered to his address, why would they want to try and sell you another one? That seems not a very good way of doing things. There are a number of issues with the conventional recommender systems, um, even though they are pretty good and they definitely attempt to to provide additional services to, to the users. The algorithms that are in use in the background are limited in, in some ways. You know, the example of the wheelbarrows could be because they're only using collaborative, what we call collaborative filtering techniques. And they're not paying sufficient attention in that particular out version of the algorithm to what you what your past transaction history is. They're only interested in profiling you, matching your profile against users with similar profiles, and those um, matches indicate the top match for you 
also, you know, did buy a wheelbarrow. So, you know, they're just they're just trying to give you a, a suggestion based on that particular simplified example of, of what's called a, a collaborative filtering algorithm. And and the other system they, of course, use is do you want to buy certain things again that they feel that you would, like uh, consumable items that, that run out? Yes. And I assume that is also part of just getting you back onto the yes. website because you think, oh, well, I don't necessarily need that, but I maybe I need this pair of gloves or, yes. you know, uh, the, this particular book that you're getting me to look at. Yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to attract you back to the website to achieve engagement, further engagement as a means of cross-selling or upselling items to you and to uh, and to in- increase loyalty to that particular online retail environment. And that's collaborative filtering. That's an example of of simple collaborative filtering, yes. Okay, what about content based? Content based is essentially where if we were to, you know, take a a movie for example, then um because they've got all of that transaction history of what movies you've watched, they will know what the genre was, who the director was, uh, where it was shot, you know, whether it's won any awards, um, how long is it. They'll know a lot about the attributes of the particular item. And because they know a lot about your past um, viewing history, they can then actually match it in terms of content. So they'll know that you like, you know, your favourite genre is comedy and that most of the comedy movies you've watched had these two actors in them and they were directed by this particular director. So they'll do a content then match and say, oh, yes, well, you haven't seen this particular one, so we're going to recommend this because seven out of (laughs) ten of the attributes, um, you know, uh, are matched against you and we we believe that this one will will satisfy you, so we're going to recommend it to you. I think I probably know what this means, but the hybrid recommender system, is is that basically matching those two together? Yes, it does. It, it combines the, the po- you know, the, the positive aspects of content uh, filtering with the positive ac- aspects of collaborative uh, filtering. Yes. Yeah. The other one I was going to talk about uh, as far as this, and it's not necessarily a recommender system, but it is a way of looking at your shopping habit and that's when you've got a loyalty card with a supermarket and then what they do is they will send you vouchers for specific items and they are tailored to the individual aren't they to their shopping habits yes they are there's a different type of system actually what they're doing there is they're saying well this is your past shopping history we know you buy these things quite frequently so we're just going to send you a voucher for things that you often buy to hope that you'll buy them again because they're consumables and you know they they need to be repl- you know replenished you know like two liter cartons of milk or tubs of butter or or whatever that's a different type of system that's not really a recommender as such just going back to what we spoke about previously the a, sim- a simple way of of sort of thinking about content and um, and collaborative filtering is content filtering sort of tends to work around the idea of if you liked this item, you might also like <laughs> this item. That's based on matching the profiles of you against many, many other uh, shoppers that um, have similar taste. And they bought the item you're interested in or looking at 
And they also bought this one, and so that's going to be recommended to you because you fit the same stereotypical uh, profile. In terms of collaborative filtering, there are two aspects to collaborative filtering. There's item to item. And again, customers who like this item also liked this one. And then the user to item collaborative filtering, where customers who are similar to you also like this. So, you know, they they look at things from slightly different uh, angles in order to try to find the best match for you. And they are genuine, genuinely trying to be helpful. The fact that they can be used to then cross-sell and upsell is is where the benefit to the retailer comes in by helping you have a better shopping experience. I think one of the times that you notice that, and it's very much in your face, is when you buy an item and they say, the people who bought this also bought this and this. So you may buy, let's say, a guitar lead. And they say, people who bought this guitar lead also bought these guitar strings or also bought this guitar tuner. And they try and attach items together yes. and then tell you what the total price will be for those items. Yes, it's uh, upselling, cross-selling to try to increase the turnover of the retailer. Yeah. And, and what um, a supermarket is doing in the same way by giving you these vouchers and getting you into the shop is making you all p- walk past all the other products in order to go and buy that product, which you're going to get 50% off. Yes. But of course, they're hoping that you will be picking stuff up and putting it in your shopping basket as you walk through the supermarket to buy the item that's on offer. Yeah, I mean, they know, you know, the behavioural psychologists, you know, done a lot of homework, a lot of research, and and a lot of the big retailers obviously rec- retain those skills uh, to, to help them. And they know that people buy uh, on impulse. It's quite interesting. I remember when there was all the talk about um, identity cards and people go, I don't want to carry an identity card. Well, first of all, most people will carry a driving license around anyway, which has all that information on. But secondly, surely a Tesco's card says more about you than, than most of the things that the government would know as well. Oh, that's true. I mean, you know, these on these large supermarkets and other online and other retailers, they know an enormous amount about you. And what's actually happening, of course, with social media Social media also knows a heck of a lot about you in in a slightly different context, but they're all sharing information. They're building profiles from all of those sources, um, which is then used for for advertising, of course. Um, I'm I'm going to be a bit of a devil's advocate here because I personally don't worry about these things. Is there a way of avoiding all this? Is there a way of not collecting all this data about you? Well, I mean, there are new there's new legislation now which gives you the option to opt out of providing any information and um, and sharing information. I mean, I don't know how many times you may have downloaded onto your, onto your phone the app uh, for an online retailer, and one of the questions that it pops up once you've done the install allows you to say, no, don't share my information with other sites. And that's now an example of where you can opt out to having your... D- your data shared. And the reason historically or in the past before this legislation was enforced is that the more a re- the more an entity knew about you, the more they could actually sell to you with a, success, with a success of closing the deal. I mean, one of the, just to go back to something we discussed um, just a few, a few minutes ago, one of the issues with content filtering and collaborative filtering is what's called a cold start problem. And with the, with the rise of this legislation now and, and more and more and more people 
not wanting to give information away about themselves. And I was reading something recently where where um, people in the younger age groups are now saying, no, I'm not interested in sharing my information. So more and more and more younger people are opting out. But what the effect of that is going to be that the market for collecting, collating and selling information to advertisers is just going to suffer uh, suffer as a result of that. New recommender algorithms are going to have to be designed to actually help the online shoppers because the cold start problem is where it doesn't know enough about you in order to make a sensible recommendation. And that's where the advantage of what Choicemaster does, for example, as a session-based tool um, it doesn't need to know anything about your past hit transaction history or your past behavior in order to make a sensible recommendation. So that's why, for example, on an online re- with an online retailer, you might decide to buy a pair of black shoes online and then all of a sudden you'll get a recommendation to buy a pink tie, you know, to go with it. But that's because it doesn't know enough about you to know that you're not interested in pink ties, you know. So uh, that's... Uh, that's where some of the shortcomings, that's why sometimes you'll think to yourself, well, why are they recommending this? It doesn't make any sense. And that's because it doesn't know enough about you and your and your past history to make a sensible recommendation. And also there's this target advertising is the same sort of system, isn't it? Where they're looking at your browser history and what you might have looked at on various sites. And all of a sudden, you know, they want to sell you flowery shirts or uh, in my case, yes. <laughs> uh, and various other things like that, because you've looked at that via Google or whatever, and then they're targeting the advertising towards you. Well, in your case, it's obviously because they know you spent lots of time going to Glastonbury, you know. (laughs) So when we're on our social media, it's constantly assessing us and collecting data and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, social media sites collect massive amounts of information about enormous numbers of people which they can... um, process and profile and then sell information to advertisers. I mean, how often have you noticed that if you go onto a social media site and engage in some form of um, content reading or content creation, then a day later when you go on to do an internet search, you'll actually get a suggestion that you might want to buy, you know, that this is coming out top of the list, you know, about about a particular product or a product that's related to something that you were talking about or engaging in conversation with on social media. So, yeah, they do know a lot about you and they do tend to follow you around platform to platform. I think it's actually quite, uh, the technology is is actually very, very sophisticated where it's able to track what you did, you know, um, using your laptop computer and what you did on your mobile phone and actually say, yeah, this is the same person. So it's actually very, it's actually very powerful stuff. Recom- yeah, recommender systems add a lot of value to, you know, to, to us. They help us in, in, in many ways, as long as we're just understanding, you know, what they're trying to achieve. They are genuinely trying to improve our shopping and online um, experiences. Um, but, you know, the, we must also remember that the institutions and, and the companies providing the, these recommender services are also uh, trying to make money you know, out of it. And if we can get a win-win situation, then that's fantastic. You know, that's obviously the best of both worlds. But what's really important is to just understand some of the numbers. 
um, as, and as to why recommenders are starting to become much more pervasive in our lives. And that is, um, it's public record that you know, something like 35% of Amazon's online purchases are as a direct result of uh, making recommendations to you. And even higher is Netflix uh, content consumption. 75% of their pur- of purchases uh, on Netflix are, are as a result of um, um, the recommender. So, you know, I think these stats underscore the growing acceptance of recommender systems amongst user populations, but they also emphasize the need for continuous improvement needed to address their inherent limitations. And of course, one of the things, one of the phrases that you talk about a lot is option shock. And they help to sort of uh, level that out a little bit and become a little less, little less of a shock. Well, that's, I mean, that's it. I mean, we all like lots of choice, but there's a paradox, you know, the paradox of choice. There's just too much choice now. And um, even though we as humans are really good at doing many, many, many things, one of the things we're not particularly good at is conjuring up mentally the trade-offs when we want to make a choice between 20 different items, each one of them having 10 to 12 decision factors that we need to consider. We don't, we're not particularly good at that. And recommender systems will help us in that respect. You know, and just to summarize the difference between internet search and, and, and recommenders again, it's that internet search engines, you know, they're our go-to for specific answers, you know, whilst recommender systems act as personal guides, you know, they sort of tailor content and product recommendations for our unique requirements. And with session-based uh, recommender systems such as ChoiceMaster, that's current circumstances as well. Because our circumstances change. What might have been appropriate to us six months ago may not be appropriate anymore. And if we haven't done a transaction on Netflix, for example, for a year, then our tastes may have changed totally and completely. So what you're going to get recommended to you is no longer applicable in your current circumstance. The era of option shock. (laughs) So in this era of option shock, too much choice, paradoxically, Um, recommenders have become an integral part of our daily lives and they can guide us through multitudes of of product options and uh, help us, you know, ensure that we, that what we see and engage with resonates with our unique needs. If you've been listening to this podcast right from the beginning, you'll know that David is the creator of Choice Master, which is a, a recommender system that doesn't involve collecting your personal data to give you recommendations. It's, it's about what you want to tell it. Uh, we will be doing a, a specific episode on Choice Master very, very soon. If you don't want to miss that, then follow us or subscribe to the podcast. Have a listen to the ones that are previously there as well. Um, if you want to know more about Choice Master, David will be very pleased and very happy to tell you about it. What's the best way of getting in touch with you, David? I'll respond to an email at um, david at choicemaster.org uh, or look, find me on, on LinkedIn, for example, you know, uh, David F. George and Choice Master will find me. David is out there, especially if you work in the retail business, he would very much like to have a chat with you. As I said, we'll be doing a specific episode about Choice Master, how it works and what it does. So Choice Master is a knowledge-based session recommender, and it does overcome this business of collecting all your data and then keeping it in the system. Uh, Once you're done, you're done. The session is over and your data is gone, and it will not be collected by the Choice Master system. 
but we will be doing a, a specific episode on Choice Master, and David will explain exactly how it works and how it doesn't collect your data, but does give you a far more nuanced recommendation without the commercial pressures that many recommenders currently give you. So as I said, David at choicemaster.org, if you've got any questions about what we've talked about today, David's really happy to to answer your emails there. If you want more information, the website address, David? www.choicemaster.org. Absolutely fantastic. We'll be back in the new year with a brand new episode of AI New with Dr. David F. George. So David, would you like to give our listeners a seasonal message? Yes, Mark. Thank you very much. I hope that um, all of our listeners have a happy and peaceful celebration. And as I said, we'll be back with a new episode in the new year of uh, AI New with Dr. David F. George from Choice Master. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. This is a 1386 audio production.